1956, BlackRock called a 24-year-old minister named Stan Allaby to be our senior pastor. Attendance grew, a second service was added, and by the mid-1960s, the building in Bridgeport couldn't hold everyone who wanted to learn about Jesus. So in 1967, we took a huge leap of faith, purchasing the land we sit on today. As we continue to celebrate Black Rock Church's 170-year history of loving God, loving people, and serving our world, we are honored this morning to have with us our Pastor Emeritus. So would you please join me in welcoming the Reverend Stan Allaby. Thank you, and it's great to be back at Black Rock. Happy birthday, 170 years. I was here most of them. <laughs> I saw that picture, I didn't recognize myself. Uh, when I first came, I would make appointments, and when the people would come, I'd go to the door and welcome them. They'd always say, is your father in? I have an appointment with him. <laughs> so. That hasn't happened lately, however. <laughs> but it gives me just tremendous joy to see how God is blessing Black Rock these days. Um, I get reports from all over. Churches just about ready to give up. Churches closing. Churches having to combine. And that's sad. That's very sad. But oh, what... What a thrill for me to see what God is doing here. So appreciate it and take advantage of it. I want to read from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone no. Millions of sentences have been spoken in the history of mankind. But I think that what Ezekiel said was one of the most profound. In fact, Coleridge gave it his considered belief that the most profound sentence ever uttered by human lips was the spontaneous cry of the prophet Ezekiel, O oh, sovereign God, you alone know. Now, if Ezekiel had said yes or no, he would have robbed himself of the mystery of entering into the presence of God and just trusting in him. Because it is a privilege to wonder sometimes 
to stand in delightful silence before the presence of the majesty on high. It's a privilege to whisper to him, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Too many philosophers and too many theologians try to answer every question and their attempt works just the opposite of what they want it to do. And they become like the people mentioned by Cicero who fear nothing so much as to appear to be in doubt about anything. Yes, sometimes it's good to just acknowledge that we as humans don't know it all. We don't understand everything. But to come into God's presence and know that he does. It's far better to have the humility to admit that we don't know something than to try to make up some answers. Jeremiah wrote once, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I have four delightful great-grandchildren. The oldest is five, the others are three. And do you know, they can ask me questions that I, as an educated adult, can't begin to answer. <laughs> so many of their questions, I have to say, I, I really don't know, kids, but God knows, but, but I, I don't. Daniel made this statement. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. And Isaiah wrote, His understanding no one can fathom. So this morning, I'd like for us to think together about some areas where it's well and appropriate for us to say, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. One of those areas is certainly creation. The creation is so marvelous, and we know so little about it. One time, Job was asking God a whole lot of questions, and God turned it around, and he asked Job some questions. Let me read just a little of what the Lord said. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who marked it off its dimensions? Surely you must know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? 
Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said to the ocean, this far you may come and no further? Here is where your proud waves stop. And you know, God reminded Job and he reminds us that we don't know everything and that he really does. I love to study about creation and I find myself over and over again asking this question, how could he do this? Because from the telescope to the microscope, we find things that reflect the wisdom and power of God. A hundred billion trillion stars. The mystery of the atom. Electricity. The mating habits of animals. The migration of birds. The balance of nature. All of this is beyond our comprehension. And the most brilliant minds have said things like this. Charles Darwin said, I feel most deeply that the whole subject is too profound for the human intellect. Stephen Hawking in his brief history of time said, if we discover a complete theory of everything, we shall be able to take part in the discussion of why it is that we are here and the universe exists. If we could find the answer to that, we would truly know the mind of God. I love the nature features programs on television but it always makes me sad when they end by saying, and so this is the way Mother Nature did this. And I want to call the station and say, I, deserve, I want time. It was Father God, not Mother Nature, that did all of this. <laughs> Dr. Henry Schaefer, a quantum chemist, and a five-time nominee for the Nobel Prize, made this statement. The significance and joy in my science comes in those occasional moments of discovering something new and saying to myself, so that's how God did it. My goal is to understand a little corner of God's plan. Pope Pius XII said, true science to an ever increasing degree discovers God as though God was waiting behind each door opened by science. And when God says to us, how did I do all of this? The only appropriate answer is, Oh, sovereign God, you alone know. A second area where we need that thought 
is the creation of mankind. David wrote in Psalm 8, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? But the physical complexities of the creation of human life is fantastic. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Genes and chromosomes, DNA, formation of a baby, the human brain, the, the function of human blood, it, it's, it's all overwhelming. Dr. Francis Collins, who was the director of the Human Genome Project, had a statement to make about what he had discovered in that amazing scientific discovery. Quote, we have caught the first glimpse of our own instruction book, previously known only to God. It was both a stunning scientific achievement and an occasion of worship. I heard Dr. Collins give a lecture at Gordon College, and he tried to explain to us about the genomes and, and the DNA. I found it very hard to follow him. He was way over my head. But Here's a, the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant men in the world today. And when he came to the end of his lecture, he bent over and he picked up a guitar and he held it and he said, would you all join me in singing? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And he gave his testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. And he sees science as something that is beginning to show a little bit of how God did it. The Bible says that God created mankind in his own image. And that we were made a little lower than the angels. And when we begin to study about our bodies and our minds and our souls and, and all that's involved, and we say, oh God, how could this be? And the only appropriate answer is, oh sovereign Lord, you alone know. A third area where we need that spirit, is the incarnation of Christ. In 1 Timothy 3.16, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Beyond all question, the mystery of our faith is great. He appeared in a body. There's a tremendous mystery about the incarnation of Christ. 
that God could become a man. The conception, the virgin birth, it's way beyond us. How could it be? And Mary asked the question of the angel and said, how, how can this be? And we asked the question too. And we try to understand all about Jesus. And, and church councils down through the centuries have met to discuss this issue. And, and they've come up with some good statements. But when you read them all, there's still a mystery. How could God become a man? And why did he do it? And the only sensible response is, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. A fourth area is the death of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, Paul wrote, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And the great hymn writer Charles Wesley put it this way, "'Tis mystery all, the immortal dies. Who can explore this strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. "'Tis mercy all, let earth adore." Let angel minds inquire no more. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, didst die for me? The Apostle Paul considered himself to be the greatest sinner that ever lived. And over and over in his writings, he would ask the question, how can it be that God would forgive me? I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it. But I know it because I've experienced it. And sometimes we feel that way too. How could it be that Jesus actually died on the cross so that we could be forgiven? The only answer is, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then there's one other area, and that's the events that we face in life. In Romans 11.33, Paul wrote this, Oh, the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And in Isaiah 55, God speaks to us and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways 
my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are so many things in life that we just don't understand. A couple who longs to have children, and they can't. The death of a baby, a tragic disease, an untimely death, the loss of a business, the burning down of a house with all, all that's in it, the Holocaust, the suffering of innocent, and I have to add one more. When your wife of 60 years gets Alzheimer's and dies, and every, every muscle in your body cries out, why, why, why? The Holy Spirit whispers to you, I know, I understand. I love you. I know what I'm doing. And suddenly all the, the panic, this, the great sorrow begins to ebb away. It takes a while, I'll tell you that. But it begins to ebb away and it is replaced with a marvelous peace of God that you can't even understand. Job said to his friends, they came, Job was suffering something terrible, and his friends came and tried to tell him why he was suffering, and they were wrong, and everything they said seemed to add to his sorrow, and this is what he said, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. And then he added, and though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I've been talking about what I think is the most profound sentence ever spoken. Let me read for you what I think is one of the most profound paragraphs ever written. It's written by a great theologian, Louis Burkhoff, and this is what he said. Listen carefully. Oh, there's so much wisdom in this. Quote, God, in his providence, controls all things. God determines what and whom he will create. And the times, places, and circumstances of their lives. But this is not pure indifference, but rational self-determination. God has reasons for willing as he does, which induce him to choose one end rather than another, and one set of means to accomplish that one end 
in preference to others. There is in each case a prevailing motive which makes the end chosen and the means selected the most pleasing to him. Though we may not be able to determine what this motive is. In general, it may be said that God cannot will anything that is contrary to his nature, to his wisdom, or his love, to his righteousness, or holiness. Seldom can we discern why God willed one thing rather than another, and it is not possible or even permissible for us to look for some deeper ground of things than the will of God. Someone else once said, when you can't understand what God is doing, trust who he is. And the Bible tells us God is love. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then we come into God's presence and in deep humility and wonder, we say, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know, but I'm trusting my life to you. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.